1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last make every tap
2: music to your ears. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited two percent cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and two percent cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller your sore muscles that's the beauty of the active cash credit card it's ready when you are with unlimited two percent cash rewards the wells fargo active cash credit card that's real life ready terms apply learn more at wellsfargo.com active cash the volume throw down on big matchups with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just five bucks on the NFL and score one hundred and fifty instantly in bonus bets. Download DraftKings Sportsbook now with code JOHN. New customers can bet five dollars on the NFL action to score one hundred and fifty instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN, JOHN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net in New York. Call 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 78 977 or visit CCPG.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, my people? How are we doing? John Middlecoff. That'd be me. Three and out podcast, that'd be this little show. We're talking football, because that's what we do around these parts. Here's what we got going on. My guy Stucky's a little under the weather, so he no Stucky today. And this is a weird week to bet, right? Beside a couple games, it's impossible. Though, Yeah, I like the Bills this weekend, and uh, I actually kind of like the Rams getting some points. I, I think Carson Wentz is going to look pretty good, and I, I could imagine the Niners kind of mailing it in. Feels like a little undervalued there. Just because of the matchup. it's like, well, this is not a normal matchup. Now, we'll see if Sam Darnold looks good. But I I do like the Bills and I like the Rams this weekend. And Washington, which I'm sure we'll get into. I'm sure me and Colin will talk about that on Sunday night. But plan will be, I'm going to do a little pressure rankings coming into this weekend. Because we do have some games that matter. And I I just kind of went through it. The the individuals slash teams that I think are under the gun. And under some legit pressure this weekend to win. And slash look good. So we will discuss that coming up. And then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff. Two Fs. Fire in those DMs on Instagram and get your question answered on the show. If you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out Feed. Appreciate everyone that has. All of our content is up on a little thing called YouTube. Everything's video as well as audio. So fire in those DMs. Thevolume.com. We got merch. I got 3 and Out hats. flex, Flex Fit hats. Go cop those right now. But first, I got friends. I got good friends. They just happen to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. Go to your smartphone. Go to your iPad. Go wherever you have your applications and download Game Time. They are the best ticketing app I've ever used. And when you download Game Time, do you want to go to one of these playoff games? Do you live in one of those markets? Are you a fan of these teams? Hell, do you want to go to Vegas if your team makes it to the Super Bowl? Do you want to go to any sporting event, college or pro? National championship. You live in Texas? You want to put a little cash on Washington like your boy here? Well, here's what you do. You sign up for a pair of tickets, any event, concerts, comedy shows, promo code John, promo code John. Happens to be my name, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, save $20. How do you beat that? Saving you a little money, taking care of my people, go to a game, go to an event, go to a concert, have yourself some fun, do it on us, save some money. Game time, promo code John. Listen, anytime, obviously there are decisions that have already been made Right, some of these coaches they're going to get fired on Monday. We've seen a bunch of coaches fired, you know, Dennis Allen, Todd Bowles, their guys, Arthur Smith. Uh, for the most part, the South divisions, like I, I don't give a shit. Like two, one game that's not on here, Houston, Indy. I, I just don't. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think both those teams, one they both have rookie quarterbacks, one guy's injured. Like it's not about this year, right? Obviously, they both those teams feel really good about their coaches. Washington, they could upset the Cowboys, which is not going to happen. He's still getting fired. You know, the Belichick thing, uh, I think is, it feels obvious, but, you know, the way the Patriots operate in general, a little cloak and dagger. So, obviously, next week's going to be a lot reacting to the coaching situation. I heard Schefter say this, and he's so right. Like, let's face it, the the coaching-hiring cycle, when you factor in seven, eight, nine teams, is as big a story as the game's. As big a story as the draft. I mean, that's, that's as big as it gets in, in this sport, right? Forever. Like when I was a kid, managers in baseball were stars. Now they don't matter. They make like seven hundred and fifty grand, right? When I was a kid, basketball coaches were really, really famous. Now there are like three guys that were famous. Most of the guys you couldn't point out of a lineup. Beside like some of the guys that used to play in football, coaches matter, and it's a coaching sport. They make a ton of money. They, they make the most money. I mean, you're talking. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator from the Lions, is being discussed to make it $15 million. Obviously, all the co- college coaches that matter. Lincoln Riley's on a $120 million contract. The Michigan Wolverines have a $120 million contract on the table for Jim Harbaugh. And it's like, yeah, I can make more in the NFL if I want. If I choose to stay here, it has nothing to do with money. So, I mean, it's just fascinating. Uh, their impact is inarguable. The, the the importance they have to your franchise so that's going to be a huge talking point. There's just a lot in flux right now, and I'll be excited for what we've called Black Monday for a while. Though, like, I don't expect the Patriot situation to be resolved Monday, but interested just, I mean, listen, I don't root for anyone to lose their job, but like I said, like, I feel sympathy for the guy making 80 grand who gets laid off and who's got two kids and a mortgage. I feel zero empathy, sympathy for guys making 7 to $15 million who get fired because they're not good at their job. Like, I'm sorry, I just don't care. No one does. Maybe guys on their staff not making much money. Like, I've been fired from the NFL. I was making like 60 grand. Like That sucked. Uh, No, I was young, fluid, figured it out. No big deal. Most of these guys would be okay. Let's dive into the pressure rankings this weekend because I think there is one team head and shoulders above everybody else. They were a team coming into the preseason. A lot of people thought they could win the Super Bowl. They have easily one of the best players in the league at the most important position, and that's quarterback. Then the article that came out from Ty Dunn, whatever that was, within the last month, really made shockwaves, right? And the crazy part is, listen, I've known Sean McDermott since I worked in Philly. He was our defensive coordinator when I got hired. I like him. He's been really cool to me. I think he's a really impressive guy. And texting with other people that have worked with him, like that article does not reflect the guy I know. Now, I've always said he can be a little tight. I mean, defensive guys tend to be. But, you know, a guy making that comment about 9-11 Seems a little out of left field. I mean, he made it. It's not like he denied it. But it's also, it wasn't from this year. It's from like four years ago. But regardless, like, let's face it. They've rallied around each other. And they've rattled off a bunch of wins. And they've put themselves in a position to not just win 11 games, but to be the two seed. But here's the reality, depending on how things shake out. If they were to lose this game, they would not make the playoffs. So there is a ton on the line for a team that coming into the season was like AFC championship at minimum let alone, like, a legit Super Bowl contender. So to not make the playoffs, I would say it'd be the biggest disaster in the NFL. When you have a quarterback who's playing, he didn't play that well last week, but just, you know what I mean. And here's the other thing. They played this Miami team. Now, they were different. They were a lot healthier. They beat the living piss out of them. They beat them by 28 points. And the game was not even that close. And this Miami team, like, I... They've impressed me. They, they've been much better than I thought they would be. I didn't think they would be this good. What McDaniel has done with Tua, obviously how talented their offensive skill guys are. Most starts over 20 touchdowns. Like, that's insane. Like, they, they deserve all the flowers. But they felt like a wild card team to me most of the season, more than a division champ. And I expect them to lose this week. But, like, let's face it, you lose this game if you're the Bills, and, you know, some of these other teams win, and you're out of the playoffs, fuck, everything would be on the table. And it would be an utter disaster. Like, I talk about all the time. Like, anything less than a Super Bowl bid for the Niners or the Ravens is a disaster. I mean, that, that's like a high-level disaster. Like, the Chiefs, they've had a very disappointing season. They're still going to host a playoff game. They're probably going to win a playoff game. They're going to be in the second round. Like, you know, this is not that bad. Right? Miss the playoffs? Like, the Steelers more than likely are going to miss the playoffs. Like, that's awful. But we've known that now for a couple weeks. They put themselves in that position because of their quarterback limbo with Mitch Trubisky, the Bills have no excuse. And they, they flexed their muscles several weeks ago against the Cowboys. That, was the, that Bills team can't compete to win the Super Bowl. The Bills team we've seen the last couple weeks been a little weird. Give them a little bit of a pass against the Charger game. Last week against New England, like what the hell was that? Zappi threw like 10 touchdowns, and it was a close game. Or excuse me, 10 interceptions. Like legitimately, I think he had three or four interceptions in half. Whew, how, 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 are, how are they in this game? So to me, a lot of pressure on this game. Uh, the Bills are favored. Everyone thinks they're going to win, including myself. But you got to do it. I oh, mean, <laughs> point of the games. And I, I think there's a ton of pressure on Josh Allen. There's obviously a ton of pressure on the head coach. This game is just, it's fascinating to me. It's Sunday Night Football, millions of people are going to be watching. Very, very excited. It doesn't get any better than this, right? It, it, it really doesn't. And it'd be impressive, given where they sat even a month ago, that looked like the Bills were headed toward 8-9 wins. Now, all of a sudden, you win this. You're 11 wins. You win the division for whatever the third, fourth straight year. You're the two seed. It looks like you have a pretty clear path to get back, you know, to an AFC championship game. You get the Chiefs potentially at home. Pretty big deal. So, Bills, to me, are easily number one. Number two, and it's not that far away from the Bills, in the simple fact that Matt LaFleur, back-to-back years, win and get in at home. Win and get in at home. Win and get in games are obviously hard. It's football. This isn't a series. You don't get like, hey, we just got to win two of uh, our four-game series. That's not the way it works. You get one game, 60 minutes. Shit can go weird. Your quarterback can be off. Things can happen. Last year, you lost to the Lions. Now, I would say that that loss has aged well because the Lions are good and they had a ton of momentum. Now, they came into Lambeau. I would say the thing that didn't age well is like, Jared Goff doesn't play well outside. Do you lose in that situation with Rodgers even having a down year? Like, that was pretty bad. Uh, I would say this situation, a little similar, playing a divisional foe with a lot of momentum. Defense is playing really well. But I, I just talked to a buddy who uh, is a big Packer fan at, uh, at TPC, where I play golf. I had to go there to re-up my little membership here so I could keep playing golf. And we were like, you know the problem with Jordan Love is... That, like, you never quite know what you're going to get. When he's on, you're like, did they just find their next Rodgers for Like, the version we've seen against Minnesota, he's had several games in primetime situations. The guy we saw against the Lions on Thanksgiving, it's like, holy shit. I mean, that's a $40, $45 million quarterback. And then he's had games. Now, a lot of them were early, but they've been sprinkled throughout the year. Uh, where you are just like, ah, a little off. And I, I, listen, you, in theory, you should have the better quarterback. You obviously have the better coach. He's won a bunch of games. He's been in the playoffs several times. It's in Lambeau Field. Can't lose this game. You just can't lose this game. And your offense has been humming. Listen, you wouldn't be in this position if your defense wasn't so shitty. And to me, that's on the floor. Because Joe Barry's his buddy. So anytime you hire your buddy, most guys are friends, right? Belichick likes all the guys that have worked for him. Andy Reid's buddies with all these guys. At least his buddies tend to be good. If you're going to hire a buddy, he's going to be shitty. We're going to have a problem. And I understand, you know, the Packers easily have one of the biggest fan bases in the league. And they've been pissed off all year long. And I think it's been justifiably so. Because you can't have a guy who just, we've invested so much on the defensive side of the ball. And I do think, as it's aged, that move by Jair Alexander, I don't think it happens if you have a legitimate defensive coordinator. Like, how do you not have, like, Vic Fangio or Brian Flores or Jim Schwartz or just someone real? Like, that shit just wouldn't be tolerated. Like, listen, offensive coaches can be a little liberal, a little more open-minded in terms of, like, less structure, cool with kind of pushing the envelope. Defensive coaches do not mess around. Think about the defensive coaches over the history of the league. It's like Parcells, LeBeau, Belichick. You know, they're just, they're just kind of angrier curmudgeons. It's just it's not tolerated. And I, I, I think that was, if they were to lose this game, this season, in a weird way, was somewhat of a success because of the progress Jordan Love made, but also would be looked at like, Matt, how did you tolerate this guy coaching your defense? From a schematic standpoint, it was a disaster. And then the situation with Jael Alexander has to be a reflection of the guy you, know, you, you put in task of that unit. Because you're either coaching or allowing it to happen. And uh, even if they make it, I still think they'll make a defensive coordinator change when the dust settles, whenever their season ends. we can't lose this game at home to the Bears. And speaking of the Bears, as of sitting here right now, I think Justin Fields is not going to be on the Chicago Bears. I think it's a very sexy thing online. Like, look what he's done. Look at the Bears. You I mean their defense has been really good? I look today. He has thrown... Five touchdowns since the middle of November. Total. Five touchdowns. <sighs> five touchdowns. Obviously he has several running, and he's no one's ever disputed, including me, who thought he should be the number two pick in the draft behind Trevor Lawrence. And when they took Zach Wilson, I thought the 49ers should have taken him instead of Trey Lance or Mac Jones. For some reason Kyle Shanahan love those two guys. Honestly, like Mac Jones more. He just got talked out of it. Obviously a disaster. They got he didn't take Mac Jones either. But that's a story for another day. This guy is a great athlete. Can he pass the ball? And to me, like, quarterback, when you play another quarterback, like Peyton versus Brady, they're never playing each other because they're never on the field at the same time. But I've been to a lot of NFL games, and the one thing is, when you are there live and you see your guy against their guy on and off, kind of yin and yang, you kind of get a good feel. Like, is our guy as good as their guy? Because Jordan Love's going nowhere, right? Jordan Love, they got something there. Like, everyone keeps saying, they got something here with Fields. Do they really? Do they really? Uh, I I wanted to believe that a long time ago. I I don't, because I don't think he throws the ball well enough. And Michael Lombardi, I've heard him say this on his podcast. I I think we're miss. and he brings up a good point. Like, the conversation should be about, like, are you willing to extend this guy? And this is the NFL. You don't extend a guy like, three years, $30 million. But even if you could, is this guy good enough to win you playoff games? I don't know if Caleb Williams is. No clue. I know a lot of people slide into my DMs and talk. A lot of people think he's going to be a bust. Think he's overrated. Totally get it. Because most quarterbacks typically are. The hype cycle, the way we talk about it. It's just the nature of kind of the world that is college prospects to the draft. But I would rather have Caleb Williams than, than Justin Fields. Especially to reset my clock. The other thing is like, Am I really? You know, think about all the draft capital you could have. Well, yeah, you could definitely improve your team, trade back a little bit, use your other first-round pick. But if this guy can't throw the ball well enough, you're not beating all the good teams in the NFC, who scoring points is no issue for them. And I've said it from the jump. The conversation about Justin Fields to me is more about this is one of the biggest off seasons in the history of the franchise. They have the number one overall pick in the draft with an excellent quarterback draft, and their quarterback. While improved, does he just scream franchise guy for you? Like, is Justin Fields going to be a starter for 10 years? And you're going to rattle off playoff victories? I, I can't say that. Neither can they. So you get this opportunity. You're going to keep everyone in the organization and let them make the decisions? That feels pretty bold to me. And it kind of feels like that's where it's trending. And listen, Iberflue's clearly a pretty good defensive coach, but I don't know. I, uh, I, I have no faith in the Bears making the right decision. Just look historically at their organization. Old school organization, kind of a mom and pop shop, despite being in this massive market and having this, you know, cash cow of a team. If they wanted to put it for sale, but and, and just because you get some rich owner doesn't guarantee you anything. Look at David Temper; he's a fucking disaster. But I, I, I just I got to move on from Justin Fields. Now you go into Lambeau; he throws like four touchdowns. You're like, well, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm not acting like I'm the know it all be it all here on this one. But know it all be it all is that even know all be all? I, I, I just think that Justin Fields, he got to go. And I, I, luckily for them, you'd want a good game, trade him for like a second and third round pick. Caleb Williams, draft another skill guy, use those second round, third, develop uh, more depth, sign Jalen Johnson, your defense is good. I, I think we'd be thinking the Bears like could make some noise next year. It was hard. Like I did not include the NFC South on this list. I just do not care. To me, Tampa, the Saints, like, you guys are irrelevant. I can't get you out of the playoffs quickly enough. Atlanta, give me a break. I I, I don't even, I'm not even entertaining talking about them. Just go away, fire your coach, start over, and, and tell me when you have a real quarterback and a real coach. And listen, I think Arthur Smith's a real coach as an offensive coordinator. Clearly, his dad's one of the all-time great CEOs. Listen, sometimes uh you're not. <laughs> you know, and this notion that, like, well, you didn't get a fair shake. Fuck you. How? He got a million opportunities. He had opportunities to sign different quarterbacks. He just always refused. He liked Desmond Ritter. Give me a break. But I I do think the Jags, you get this guy who, and I don't think it's just like hype for people that talk about football. Everyone I knew that did the SEC, which includes Clemson, Florida State, you know, that Southern region, loved Trevor Lawrence. They not only thought he was the number one quarterback in the draft, which was like consensus, they thought he was like an elite prospect. And let's face it, he just hasn't been. He, he just hasn't been as good as living up to the hype. And it happens sometimes. The hype train on certain guys, like Zion. It's not like Zion doesn't have the talent that's obvious. He's fat. He can't stop eating. We, we all struggle with that. Problem is, like, he's a professional athlete. And it's well known. Like, he just can't stop eating. Which, he gets too heavy, and then he gets injured. But, like, you watch Zion... If he's just in semi-shape, he can do 30 and 20 with his eyes closed, right? So, like, he was an all-time prospect, and clearly, the, the off-the-field or off-the-court is what slows him down, not the talent, right? Trevor Lawrence, all this hype, off-the-field clearly ain't an issue. It's not like he's screwing around. He's a very mature guy, right? I don't, I don't think he's got issues with his diet. It's just you watch him play, you go, am I missing something? Like, it, where's this top-five quarterback thing? Because Hell, coming into this season, I was like, I expect them to be him to be a top five quarterback, them to win 11 and 12 games. I thought they'd be one of the best offenses in the league. And, you know, we don't even know if he's going to play. And I include Doug on this. They got to win this game. I mean, they're playing the Titans, who are a train wreck. Vrabel's losing it on reporters. A lot of reports think that, you know, he wants out, which is a little weird. Nashville is just an incredible place. But listen, if you don't have trust in your owner, if you don't, Feel comfortable with the GM and the structural setup. Like, this is, he wouldn't be the first. There's been a long line of them. You know, Bill Parcells, a lot of Holmgren, a lot of guys about Gruden. Listen, coaches get big egos, money. They don't like answering to people. No different than, you know, players sometimes. So, I, this thing, the Jags have to win this game. They win this game, they win the division. Now, I think they'll be one and done. I like Cleveland in that matchup. <laughs> Uh, just like last year, I liked the Chargers in that matchup. The problem was, as I underestimated Brandon Staley and a defensive unit that couldn't cover me or you, and that clearly took shape in the second half when they blew coverage after coverage in a game that you can't blow. I was like, you're going to cruise to a victory. Nice little playoff victory for Brandon Staley. All of a sudden, they lose. I-, I don't know if they lose quite like that. I just would imagine the Browns would overwhelm Trevor Lawrence with which the way he has played this year. But I- I- there's tangible... like. Y- y- You lose this game, like, it'd be hard to look at them the same. Doug included, but specifically Trevor Lawrence. Now, listen, I like Doug. If you're quarterback, and part of the reason that there was so much pressure when you took this job with Doug Peterson was like, well, you get this generational player. And sometimes I think we throw out that word a little much. Now, I understand the scouting community believe that. Sometimes they're all just wrong. Sometimes they're all just wrong, right? And it's rare that it happens at quarterback. And I think we're going to see the same thing with Caleb Williams in the sense the hype on Caleb Williams couldn't be any stronger. Like Trevor Lawrence, it's built up now for 24 months. So it's one thing when you just become the top player in a given year, Joe Burrow. I wouldn't say came out of nowhere because he was starting quarterback at LSU, but was not viewed as a top pick, viewed as a mid-rounder, comes back, great season, goes number one. Same thing with Baker Mayfield. Like It was like a slow build, and then you just watch him toward the end. You're like, this guy's a really good college player. Trevor Lawrence and Caleb Williams has been all the hype, all the hype, all the hype, all the hype. Even since Trevor Lawrence got in the NFL, the hype, the hype. And you're sitting on your couch, like, I don't know, man. But w- Am I missing something here? And I, I have no dog in the fight. Like, I'm technically root. I'd like to see another good quarterback. But he just hasn't even come close to living up to the hype. So, they lose this weekend. Holy shit, you never know. Shad Khan maybe fires people. And last but not least, like I I didn't include Tomlin on this list because they don't even control their own destiny, right? Like I said earlier, I did not include Indy or Houston on this list. Neither team, if either team misses the playoffs, not a soul picked the Colts or the Texans to even be in the mix. So I I don't think there's any pressure on those teams. I think Jim Harbaugh is tangible pressure to win a national championship because by all accounts, Schefter's pretty tight end. It surely feels like he's leaving. Like it feels like it would be an upset if Jim Harbaugh comes out. You know the hiring cycle this year is different. They have set new rules and parameters, so I don't think a lot of guys are going to get hired quickly. You're not even able to interview people that are coaching in the playoffs till like the 21st of this month. So it's you're not going to get higher hires as quickly as normal. Even some of these guys like Antonio Pierce. If Mark Davis wants to hire Antonio Pierce. He has to go through this whole dog-and-pony show of interviewing people, and it's going to take a while. It it just is, especially because some of these organizations also have GM jobs open, that Jim Harbaugh has proven to be a winner. Can't be argued, right? One, in San Diego. Bruce Feldman once told me he thought Stanford's the most impressive college turnaround he's ever seen. One, it's a niche school. You have to get guys who academically qualify. And two, they were... God-awful when he took the job. They were 1-11 with no future insight, And within three years, had Andrew Luck, and they were in a BCS game. So and then the Niners, while they had talent on their roster, were a fucking joke. Pete Carroll and Matt Leiner both returned to school in 05 or 06, whatever year that was, because they wanted no part of the San Francisco 49ers. They were a laughingstock once Eddie DeBartolo got rid of the team. And obviously Michigan, probably his least impressive job, took a little longer and because it should be easier there to win. Listen, I would have bet on the turnaround happening faster, but the turnaround happened. He now owns Ryan Day. He is a major reason Ryan Day's officially on the hot seat right now. And he just got, I would say, the biggest win of his coaching career against Nick Saban in the Final Four. I think it's bigger than any playoff win he's ever had. I would say the biggest NFL win he'd ever had was the conference championship. It was against Mike Smith in Atlanta. You know, If if he had beat Aaron Rodgers in that situation, and I know he beat Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy in the playoffs, but I I think that against Saban is his biggest win. Even his mother, if you watch that video, was stunned. She's like, I can't believe we won. That's his mom. So if we're all stunned, because let's face it, we all were, I did not believe they were going to go the field with whatever, under four minutes left, go 75, 80 yards and score a touchdown. And then they were even in fourth and short early on the possession, but he got a win. I, I do think he needs to validate it because even when he comes back to the NFL, it's like, can he win a Super Bowl because he's never won one? But I do think we'll look at him like a championship-level guy. If he loses this game, the narrative around Jim Harbaugh hasn't really changed. Like, he's been in this situation before. Hell, the last two years in the playoffs, he's lost. We just assume he's going to lose the big games. It's why I'm very tempted. Listen, I, I got a 7-1 to one ticket on Washington. I might drive down to the DraftKings Sportsbook I don't know why I just don't do it online, which I, might, I just kind of like going to the sports book, gets my juices flowing. I've taken Washington four and a half. I just, I just view it as value. And I also just kind of betting against Harbaugh. I think he gets a little tight in this situation. And I, it, if it wasn't for me betting on Washington and just a team that I, I felt faith in, I would be rooting heavily for Jim Harbaugh because I want to see this guy become a champion because I know how much he loves football. I know how much it means to his family. It's a way of life. They are the ultimate football guys, football family. Jack coach forever. Obviously, Jim and John. It doesn't get any more football than the Harbaugh's, right? It, it, they're as football as football gets. And I, I, I would be rooting for them, but I can't because I'm betting against them. And I don't feel that bad betting against them. It's why I didn't, like, listen, I, I thought Michigan almost parlayed Washington to Michigan. But I was like, do I trust Harbaugh against Saban? And I felt pretty good about not doing it the majority of the game because I'm like, of course, Nick Saban with a shitty version of Alabama relative to the rest of the country is still pretty good. But for him, I mean, it was even he admitted this wasn't a great team. He had him on the ropes. So, you know, DeBoer, they have a much more explosive offense. But Jim wins this. It does just kind of end the conversation, which is is fair now. Like, can this guy win when it really matters? Because we know he can win. If the Raiders hire them, the Chargers hire them, they're going to the playoffs. The Ra- you know what the Raiders would do to go to the playoffs on a yearly basis? Even the Chargers. How often have they made the playoffs the last decade? Like two times? It's not like they've lacked talent. So these teams would die to just consistently be you know, 10, 11 wins, wild card teams. They would pay $15, $18 million for three straight playoff appearances. And he'll get you that. He's proven that. Once you get there, though, can he win? I don't know. Uh, I I don't feel great about it. So I I think he has the least amount because he's already resurrected the program. Not debatable. He's about to send, whatever, 15, 16, 17 guys into the NFL off this team alone. And he's produced a ton of NFL guys since he's been there. We know he's really good. But there's a difference between really good and like, can you get it done in the biggest moment? Because no matter how much shit we talk about a certain coach, once you got a championship, it's like, listen, say whatever you want about me. If I'm Mike McCarthy, I got a ring. Sean McVay, John Harbaugh, listen, Kyle Shanahan kind of has that right now. It's like until he wins it, he's kind of got some Jim Harbaugh. I mean, they're different people, and he battled that forever when he was with the Eagles and even early on in Kansas City. So winning that big game, I, I think legitimately would change his life. Not financially, he's super rich, he's going to make money no matter what. Not even on the field, they're going to keep winning wherever he goes. But like winning that game and find me a better opportunity than this. He's, I would say, a pretty big favorite. Four and a half, who knows? By kickoff, he might be a five-point favorite.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save And get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions
1: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip Hi, checking in for Or the perfect table Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify With your Amex Platinum card Hey, this looks amazing I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash
2: with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well... At these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's bang out a couple mailbag questions. Very, very easy to get in that little thing we call the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff, my Instagram, DMs, wide open, fire in them, get your question. Like my guy Jason here. Been saying for months, Penix is who the Vikings should take in the draft. He could be the next Burrow, And step in immediately, make an impact with plenty of weapons already there. What are your thoughts on what the Vikings should do at quarterback? I actually think they're going to re-sign Kirk Cousins. Uh, Now, he might have a market, right? I mean, teams like, why wouldn't Denver be interested? Atlanta, the New England Patriots. So it depends on the number with Cousins, but I, I do think he was really good for him, And if you can get him back on like one year, $20 million deal and incentivize it up, or maybe one year, $15 million, and still look to trade up and get a quarterback, right? The, the Eagles did that once upon a time with Sam Bradford when they traded up to get Carson Wentz. So the 49ers did it when they had Jimmy Garoppolo and they traded up to get Trey Lance. So I, I, I think you could double down. I think you can bring Cousins back, who you know, thirty-six years old. It's not going to take some long-term contract. Now the money, it, I, it, it's just guesstimating how much he's going to make. I, I have no clue, but try to do something like that and, and then draft a guy. If you want Penix, though, I mean, what's your guys? You guys have to trade up. I don't know exactly know where you are in the draft, but you're not. You've won enough games that I, I think when the dust settles, I, I said yesterday, I think he goes number two or has a chance to go number two. If he were to win Monday night, or just even if they lose and he plays well again, how does he not like be a locked top five pick? Really love your comments today regarding the culture of the Niners and the Rams. Those teams are a reflection of their coaches. Wanted to add just a little to your comment about the Navy SEALs and the training they go through. Yes, we do believe in training hard. Yes, we do lose people in training. But we also believe that the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in war. Or, Greek philosopher once said, I can't say his name, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our preparation. Holy shit, that's a good one. It just seems that the Niners and the Ravens are just more prepared. As a Broncos fan, my team is out of the mix. So I find myself rooting for the Niners, the Ravens, the Lions, or even the Browns. Just a comment from what sounds like a Navy SEAL. So, appreciate your effort. Uh, appreciate your service, not your effort. Your effort's incredible. We don't rise to the level of expectations, but we fall to the level of our preparation. Uh, that's, that's powerful. I'm going to have to write that down. I might get that printed out and put it on the wall. Is there a reason the NFL Combine is not done in full pads? Take a guy like Puka, who ran 4.57. Is it possible that his play speed is close to that number in pads? We're maybe speed track guys that can run a 4-4 without pads, but once the gear is on, they're closer to a 4-5-5. Just doesn't make sense why you would want to scout a NFL player in not in pads. I'd argue this. Even if they were in pads running a straight line, that's not really normal football, right? The only way you can replicate play speed is the way when you're getting, like, there's a corner in front of you. When you're running across the middle, there's a linebacker bumping you. Right, if you're a running back, how you bounce after contact. So none of it would there would be no contact in a combine or a pro day. I, I think it would maybe look cooler, but I don't think it would change that much. I also think it would throw off everything's relative, right? And, and now they have the capability because of technology, they know your play speed. When I was in, uh, when I was at Fresno State, Pat Hill, who had worked for Belichick, you know, when I worked for him. We used to have these things called flying 40. So when you'd watch a recruit, and obviously a lot of Division I recruits on offense or, or even on defense chasing a guy, you know, or get a lot of big plays. So you, when you see a guy run for 40 yards, you can time him in pads, right? Look at Debo Samuel. Is Debo the fastest guy, no pads, running a straight 40? No. You put the ball in his hands with pads, how often does he get caught? I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill, but he's, his play speed is elite, so I think the scouting community is relatively good at play speed, and judging that through technology or just the ability to scout that, and I remember this used to come up a lot in draft meetings or in recruiting meetings, this guy runs a lot faster in that situation than he plays, so that's always a red flag. When your play speed, like Jamar Chase, Right. De- Devonte Adams, some guys that aren't quote-unquote burners, their play speed's awesome. That's what matters, it is play speed. Sometimes you freak out, and listen, it, it does. But just because, it, I say it all the time, the draft is a marketplace. Like when you buy a home, what really matters? Square footage, ro- how many rooms, how many bathrooms, what the kitchen looks like, how big's the backyard, how many car garage, all that stuff factors in to the value of the home. No different in the draft of like height, weight, production, speed. Now, I, I think the teams have tried to figure out a way to get the real speed, not just the combine speed. Because ultimately, Belichick said this forever, we don't pay guys to do the combine, right? We don't pay guys to, to run around in shorts and t-shirt. pay guys to play football. It's a hard balance. New, new listener, but already a big fan. Welcome, Mark. You spoke today on players needing to be coached hard. Can you tie that all to the bleeding hearts that said Russ deserved better than what he got on the sideline from Peyton? There are smart. There are countless videos of Saban, smart, must champ, screaming at players, and no one bats an eyelash. Chris Jones and his coach, Brady and O'Brien, I'd love to hear your thoughts and maybe your thoughts on about old school style coaching. Anyone on television that took the position of, like, it was unfair what Sean Payton did to Russell Wilson was simply trying to, like, go viral on Twitter because everyone gets screamed at in the NFL, especially quarterbacks. I mean, the best dynasty of my life was most famously known for Belichick being in Brady's ass all the time, screaming at him in practice, going in on him in team meetings can't coach him hard. I thought it was so disingenuous. Now, I don't watch any of these shows, but I see some clips on social media by any defensive player that took that stance who are constantly used to getting yelled at. Russell gets yelled at. If I can't yell at Russell, who am I allowed to yell at? It's, it's very disingenuous, which I think a lot of these people, I think the problem for a lot of people in this quote-unquote business live on social media. And they, they know what will get them likes and supported. Because if you just tweeted out or went viral by going, this should not be okay. This is crossing the line. How many people on social media, which is a tiny little subset of society, would be like, yeah, man, go get him. You're so right. Sean Payton's so wrong. Football people are constantly screaming. It's the culture of football. Especially when your quarterback, I don't know, is playing like shit. Sean Payton is also a yeller. So is it weird at all? No. I think football people can be very disingenuous about that when they don't like people. And let's face it, a lot of people don't like Sean Payton. He's gruff, big ego, super rich, right? Talks a lot of shit. Personally, I like those types. <laughs> they entertain me. Uh, but, but I also think like, th- there are a couple lanes that when something happens, like I know the way the media is going to be. They're, very, they're a predictable bunch. And this includes a lot of former players now. Because you get caught up in that little corporate mindset, right? They hate big business. They hate mean coaches. Like they, 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 it's just, it, it's very, very easy. You give me a story, I know 95% of the side they're going to be on. They, 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 they all follow the pack, right? You, you would have been an outlier if you said, yeah, who cares? Why can't he yell at him? Everyone, when I saw a clip of like ESPN, everyone was like, Sean Payton's a fucking asshole. Or he's just mad that Russell Wilson stinks. I know he doesn't stink, but y- you know what I mean. Really enjoy listening to your show. I'm a lifelong Bengals fan and truly love what Joe Burrow has brought to the organization. Hard to blame you. From years of disappointment, I can't help but worry about his injury history. ACL, MCL, calf strain, now torn ligament and throwing wrist. What are your thoughts? Are guys able to stay healthier with age? I'm worried about as an Andrew Luck type early retirement for him. I would say the Andrew Luck situation He's a very unique cat, right? Stanford-educated, academic. I think a lot of people think he could be, like, the next athletic director or, like, president of Stanford. Joe Burrow's... Andrew was an excellent football player and I think liked football. Joe Burrow is a football guy, like, to his core. Dad's a coach. To me, he would only, quote-unquote, early retire, like, if he had to physically. Colin had a good point the other day when he talked about, like, this notion that just because Penix has a lot of injury history that you're not going to draft him? Like, life's full of risks. Success is full of risks. Most people get successful by taking risks. I say it all the time. Like, if you're just... And I think this is why a lot of people in the media kind of hate the business world. Because most successful people push the envelope. If you don't push the envelope, you're going to get lapped. You're going to stay in the slow lane. And the fast lane has some risk to it. You might get in a big car crash. But you also might not. And you could make millions. (laughs) Right, and it's no different than investing in players, investing in businesses. Like you got to take chances. And listen, part of the Joe Burrow package now, he gets injured a lot. He to me, when I watched him against the 49ers, I was like, it doesn't get any better than this. When he's on, he's as good as it gets. Like that's as good of a football player as you're going to find. So it just, it sucks, but I would not worry about early retirement. I would just more worry about we break down and the. What can you really worry about though? Like, it's like whenever I see Mark Zuckerberg's building the bunker, like the world's gonna end. Well, if it ends, we're all fucked. Uh, you know, I am, you are, we all got issues, right? I'm not building the bunker, right? So I'm gonna worry about risk. If you live on social media all day long, you're gonna see a lot of negativity, and you're gonna freak out. If you don't, you just go about your day, you're like, God, ah, most people are kind of happy. Most people are kind of enjoying life, and you just go, right? Yeah, guy could get a, any player in the league could get a concussion tomorrow. In, in practice, let alone in a game. Well, you don't know. So th- th- I would say the knee injury, he got smashed in his knee, right? The the calf injury, who knows? Maybe he just wasn't drinking enough water, right? The, the throwing injury, I, it, once you aggregate them all together, yeah, it's 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 worrisome. But if you just spend all your time worrying, there's no way to, you know, it, it's a shitty way to live. Got to hope he's healthy and rock and roll. Because when he's healthy, you guys are as good as it gets. So I I guess my ultimate take would be, I don't think there's anything you can do. Mailbag question. Probably a dumb one. Last podcast and several others, you mentioned that something about defensive coordinators. Even the great ones not understanding the offensive side of the ball. How can a great defensive coordinator not understand the offensive side of the ball if their entire job is to stop it? Couldn't the reverse engineer an offensive game plan? Again, probably a dumb question. I think when I said that, like what I mean is not that you take the top defensive coordinators, they don't know how to stop. Like they understand what defense stops concepts, right? If you are like Kyle Shanahan and run the outside zone and run a lot of bubble screens or whatever your core plays are, I can develop a game plan to stop them. Like I understand route concepts, uh, you know, blocking concepts. The way that you move your protections. Like, I, I get all that, right? And, and no different as an offensive coordinator. I understand the rules of cover one, cover two, cover three, d- d- zone blitzes, right? All that shit. I understand it all. The difference is, I can't, a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator, I couldn't have them just run the defense, right? They wouldn't know teaching the techniques, they understand the big picture concepts. Mike Tomlin could not be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Just like I don't, Andy Reid couldn't be a defensive coordinator in the league, right? That's Pete Carroll couldn't be an offensive coordinator. It doesn't mean they don't understand concepts and what defensive coordinators do. Also, a big part of coaching on a weekly basis is knowing your strengths and weaknesses. So, like, we, if I'm an offensive coordinator, and I'm Andy Reid, right, and I got Kelsey and Pacheco, well, if I know certain things that your defensive players are not good at and we can succeed that way, like if you, if you don't have a guy that can cover the tight end, maybe I'll throw to the tight end 20 times that game, right? Or, or defensively, if your right tackle is terrible in any passing situation, I might overload a blitz to that side every single time to try to take advantage of it, right? Or you have wide receivers that can't get off press. So a huge part of coaching is not necessarily like, footwork and leverage. It's like game planning, using my players against your players, taking your strengths and trying to avoid them and finding your weaknesses and trying to exploit them. Like it's like, you know, again, why we, you know football and the military have so much in common. It's trying to take you down. Right. So it's less about like, I, I do not think most defensive coordinators could just be enough. Op- we saw it with Matt Patricia. It, it's just, It's just not the way it works. It's probably not the best way to explain it because, like you said, it's not like taking the marketing guy and having him be the company's IT guy, right? It's like, well, he's gonna—he might know nothing about technology. Obviously, defensive coordinator understands all the different routes or the different run schemes, like gap runs, zone runs. Like he gets that, right? But it doesn't mean that he could execute it, coach it. He could like lead the group, but. And adjust. Again, a part of it too is experience. Maybe over time but you could argue a good coach right? Like if I just took Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan and just made them their team's defensive coordinator. Maybe within like three or four years, they'd be good at it. Right? But you just, you spend all your time, all your time on the, the offensive mindset. So part of it is too is the mindset, right? I haven't received a W, I haven't been a W2 employee Uh, in almost a decade now, so my mindset as a worker, right, everything I have a piece of, I work is much different than it ever was when I just worked for the Eagles or worked for the radio station. So part of it is like your mind shifts, and if I'm an offensive coordinator, like I I don't think as much about like how do I improve. Like I, I, I'm just thinking about it completely different, right? So when you work, right, when you run a small business. You think a lot differently than if I just pay you two hundred and fifty grand to be my accountant, right? And these aren't perfect examples, but ultimately my point is, it's just not the same. I, I guess it's just simply not the same. Have you bet Washington yet? You won big on them last week. I know you've got them seven to one to win seven thousand dollars. How the fuck? Actually eight, because I've already won the one thousand that I put back back. Or put down back. How do you not head over to DraftKings tomorrow and put at least 5K on the boys plus 4.5? The disrespect, the disrespect is outrageous. And don't give me the home renovation story again. My home renovation story was simply I, I can't be reckless. I, I've actually been thinking about it. Should I just go and put what I just won, you know, like 10K on Washington plus 4.5? The problem is I'm already with house money but The reason I have believed in these guys is because I've watched them for two years now, and all they do is win. Now, I'll be completely candid on this. I love the matchup with Texas. I thought the coaching mismatch was gigantic, and it showed. They were up multiple scores in the second half. Like, I'm sorry, that wasn't a close game. Washington worked Sark. I knew that was coming. I followed Sark's career closely. Michigan, like, it wouldn't surprise me if they win and win by seven. Like I, I can see that, so I'm not as confident. Part of gambling, whether you're gambling or whether you're investing in stocks, especially once you start higher units, right? If I'm going to put fifty thousand dollars into a stock, if I'm going to put ten thousand dollars down on the game, like I better feel pretty good about it. I don't feel great about this. I don't feel bad, but I don't feel great. My conviction for that Washington Texas game, I've had three times in my life where I'm like, this can't lose, and in college. I took all the money I had, which was1,200 dollars. It might have been 15. It was somewhere between 12 and 1,500, because I remember I won about1,300 dollars. So maybe, maybe it was like 1,500 dollars. And I bet on the New England Patriots to not cover the spread against the Giants in 2007, because I remember week 18 watching that Giants team almost beat the undefeated Patriots, and obviously the Giants won. I, I just took them like plus 13 and a half, or whatever the spread was. The Bronco. Carolina Panthers Super Bowl I was living in the Bay Area and I was around like the media stuff and I remember seeing the the Panthers players all around screwing around and the Broncos players serious as a heart attack I also was doing stuff for the Raiders at the time so I had seen that Broncos team live three years in a row and being like this defense is incredible I put like five grand down I, I didn't have as much money then this one I, I felt I, I felt pretty good I felt pretty good you could argue, I, I've said it before, I wussed out a little bit. Now, part of it was, it was holidays, I went to Wells Fargo, the bank had been closed, so I had to like, I only have, I can only take down a couple grand, so I had to do it like four days in a row, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then pay Monday. So I, I had some financial restrictions that way. But, tell you this about home renovations. Shit is not cheap. <laughs> I mean, you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars without even blinking. Like I said, I do not have shutters, blinds, or anything throughout my house now. Part of it, you know, I, I bought a fixer-upper, needed to be flipped around, uh, and the stuff that he had on the windows was an embarrassment. But you, you look into that, you're like, that cost you another 30, 40 grand. So it's just, I, I, gotta, you know, I got other people living in this house beside myself. Back in the day, I, I would have lived without window coverings for two years if I'd been betting on sports. But I, 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 I want Washington to win. I'm rooting for them. Obviously, I have eight grand on the line, which is all profit at this point. But I am not going to pound the table and say that they are a lock to cover. Should I just ride them because they're the hot hand? That's, I've made gambling mistakes. The belief I had against Steve Sark, Keesian, and, and Quinn Ewers with DeBoer, Grubb, and Michael Penix, it's as strong as any I've ever had. I, I don't have that same conviction here. because I, I think Michigan's good. I mean, they got... A team, they have an NFL team. All these guys are going to play in the NFL. Now, some of them might get cut, practice squad or whatever, but majority of them are going to be starters and role players in the NFL. They're tough. They're physical. They are the type team that, I heard someone say this the other day. I think Klatt said it to Coward. He's like, Michigan, the way they built this team was to stop Ohio State from a couple years ago. Who was, who were they? C.J. Stroud, Garrett Wilson, Alave, Jackson Smith, Marvin Harrison. They were a bombs away elite NFL quarterback, elite NFL receivers. And they've handled them. Now, the difference is, I think Dubois is better than Ryan Day. Like I'm not just saying this to be funny. I, I What Harbaugh said about Ryan Day being born on third base couldn't have been any more true. I, I don't think Ryan Day is that good of a coach. Oh, his resume! Well, the Big Ten kind of fucking sucks and he's at Ohio State. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Most I don't think he's some scrub coach. I think he's kind of like Sark. Like, listen, good play caller. Deep down, is he a tough guy? Deep down, would I want him as my, you know, do I think he's a top 10 coach in college football? No chance. No chance on God's green earth do I believe that. I, I think, could you make the argument he's better than Sark? Yeah, maybe. Uh, would I, who would I rather have going forward? I might rather have Sark. Because at least Sark learned from Saban. R- Ryan Day's a, a Chip Kelly guy. Like, deep down, that's, he's a Chip Kelly guy. Sark's a Saban Pete Carroll guy. Now you could say he worked for Urban Meyer, like, I don't know. Urban Meyer is kind of an outlier. Like, Urban Meyer is good for Urban Meyer. Like, look at some of his guys. Herman. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a big Urban Meyer guy. Not because I don't think he's a good coach. He's obviously is. I just think he's a complete scumbag, fraud human being. But that's for another topic another day. Uh, so, yeah. I, I'm just not as confident. I, I guess that's, I'll end it on that. I'm just not as confident. Adios. The volume.